Okay. We're going to learn about Tuba Av. I'm going to start with more of the historical aspects of Tuba Av. Um, maybe people know, maybe people don't know. My feeling is uh, I will fill in some spaces that people don't know. But then after the like laying the foundation of the historical reasons for Tuba Av, um, hopefully we're going to take it to a whole different level of understanding the, the energy of this day. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, the Mishnah in Masechet Ta'anit, in the fourth chapter, the eighth Mishnah, where it mentions that there were no two days more joyous in the Hebrew calendar the Jewish calendar, then Tuba'av and Yom Kippur. So immediately, it aroused many questions. Yom Kippur, I mean, if you didn't have this Mishnah, most people in a million years wouldn't think of Yom Kippur as one of the most joyous days of the year. But once you hear it, it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Yom Kippur is serious. It's awesome. It's called Yomima Noraim, the days of awe. But it's also a tremendously joyous day because on that day we get forgiveness. We get atonement. We get purified. We get to start again. We, we allow our souls to feel like angels. And so in most Hasidic shuls, Yom Kippur, again, it, it's not taking away from the awesomeness, but there is a strand of joy that runs through Yom Kippur. It's like, wow. Listen, people spend lots of money and lots of years <laughs> with psychiatrists and psychologists to feel a sense of of uh, solving guilt and um, feeling atonement. <laughs> and here, God gives it as a gift every year. So that we understand. Tuba of, many people never even heard of it. I mean, if, if it's like, it's how, how, how did Tuba become one of the most joyous days? So in the, in the tractate of, of Tanit on page 30 and 31. It actually gives six different reasons why Tuba'av is an important day, is a joyous day. I'm going to go through them fairly quickly, but it's, it's interesting for people to understand throughout history what happened on Tuba'av that they would say it's one of the most joyous days. So the first thing was that when we first came into Eretz Yisrael, the tribes were not allowed to intermarry because they needed a generation to establish their nachalot, their inheritances. We have to understand, if you read in the Torah, every family got an inheritance and they needed an, excuse me, a generation to establish the inheritance. So if the, if the tribes intermarried, there would have been confusion as to 
who this really belongs to. But after one generation on Tuba'av, they canceled this decree. So after one generation, they had settled the land. Now the tribes could intermarry because now they had the, the, the deeds to the land were official. Later, uh, a very, very sad episode in Jewish history. There was a civil war in Israel. It's in the book of Judges. Many people are not aware of this. It was a full-on civil war between 11 tribes versus one tribe. The one tribe was Binyamin, and all the other 11 tribes, it was based on a terrible incident that happened in the tribe of Binyamin. And the 11 tribes said, we cannot allow this to happen in Israel. And it sparked a civil war. Part of the civil war, the 11 tribes made a vow not to let their children intermarry with anyone from Binyamin. When the war ended, they rescinded that decree on Tuba'av. So we see there's the first two reasons both have to do with getting people together. Okay, the third thing is, this actually happened before, is the, the 40th year in the desert. Uh, remember, all of the men between 20 and 60 were supposed to pass away in the desert. And so there's a midrash, it's a pretty way out midrash, says that every tish above, because that's when the decree happened that they would wander for 40 years and that whole generation would pass on. Um, the men between 20 and 60 would, um, would dig their graves, lay down in their grave, and in the morning, certain amount of people didn't get up. And this happened for 40 years until the whole generation had passed away. And the last year, they dug their graves, but everyone got up. And they thought, maybe we didn't calculate the time correctly. Maybe it's not really the ninth of Av. So the next day, they laid down in their graves again. Everyone got up. And now like, okay, what's happening here? Finally, by Tuba of six days later, they realized the decree has been lifted. Everyone who died, who needed to die, died. And everyone who didn't is alive. On Tuba of, all everything I'm mentioning happened on Tuba of. The fourth thing is when the kingdom of Israel split between a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Ten tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. The kings of the northern kingdom made it forbidden for anyone to go to Jerusalem. Because if they would allow people to go to Jerusalem, it would be like the northern kingdom was in its own um, autonomous, call it state. So for many generations, it was forbidden for anyone from the northern kingdom to come to Jerusalem. On Tuba'av, they finally rescinded this decree. That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is, after the revolt of um, Bar Chochba, 
So the last city to fall was Beitar. And it was a tremendous, terrible slaughter. And the Romans would not allow them to bury the bodies. Now, of course, in, in Judaism, this is, this is a, a very heavy thing that you can't bury someone. And again, on Tuba'av, the Romans, a couple of years later, rescinded the order, and they were allowed to bury all of the bodies. And in fact, the, after, in, in, in benching, after Uvene Yerushalayim, the next blessing was added in commemoration of the, um, that decree being uh, uh, rescinded. They wrote a whole bracha in Birch Amazon that we say all the time. And the last thing that happened was that on the 15th of Av <clears throat> was the last day that you could bring wood to the temple that would be used on the altar. Why Tuba'av? Is by tradition, starting in Tuba'av, the summer sun begins to lose its, its very uh, powerful heat. And since wood has to be dry, if they brought it afterwards, they were afraid the wood would not be sufficiently dry. So they made the cutoff Tuba'av, and it was a, it was a very, very big um, merit to bring wood for the altar. And so they made Tuba'av the last time that you could bring wood to the altar for that year. So that's the historical, according to the Gomorrah, six different reasons why. But you know what? We're still left with a question. If you took each one of these by themselves, you might ask, this is enough to say that it was one of the two most joyous days of the year? So I'm proposing a seventh reason, which I think is the actual underlying reason. And it's a very practical, but very spiritual reason is everyone knows only six days ago was Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is what we'll call it the lowest point of the year. Literally, we're sitting on the floor and we're fasting and we're lighting candles and it's the low point of the year. And, and along with that, we have a tradition that Mashiach is born. Now, what were, what were our sages trying to teach us by saying that Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av? It's not clear at all that they meant literally, though they could have meant. They could have meant literally, we have a tradition that Mashiach will be literally born on, on Tisha B'Av. But I think in a deeper way, they were, they were saying that the energy of Mashiach is born out of the deepest darkness. And that gives us hope. So Tuba'av, there were all these reasons I just gave, six different reasons. But I believe the sages saw, really, we need hope after Tisha We need a reason to celebrate after Tisha 
And I think that that was the underlying reason why they put all these other reasons. Each one was a reason for joy. But to be compared to Yom Kippur? So this is just the historical background. Now in the same Mishnah that we started with, it describes the custom of Tuba'av. And what people don't realize is the Mishnah says it, it was also done in Yom Kippur. Most people don't know this. And that's what most people know about Tuba'av. It was customary for all the young unmarried women to borrow dresses, one from the other, white dresses. Had to be white. Everyone's in white. So no one knew who was rich, who was poor. Everyone borrowed dresses. And they went down to the vineyards and they danced. Now, obviously, if the women are dancing in the vineyards, who's going to be following close behind? <laughs> All of the men. And so it became a, a, an auspicious time for people to get together. There was hope in the air. There was love in the air. And this became the custom of Tuba. This is what Tuba Av is known as. But in the Mishnah, it says they did this on Yom Kippur also. On Yom Kippur, again, we tend to think of Yom Kippur as, as like 24 hours in shul, other than sleeping. <laughs> but there was this tradition of also this joy of, of soulmates coming together. So now I, I, I want to take it to the next step, though, is that for every halacha that we have, every Jewish law that we have, there's a spiritual reason behind it. There's a spiritual energy, a spiritual teaching behind it. So we look at all these reasons for Tuba'ab, but what we want to get to is what's the energy behind all of these things happening on this specific day? In other words, just like we have a tradition, it's in the Mishnah, also tiny, that five things occurred on Yud Zayin B'Tamuz, the fast day of the 17th of Tammuz, and five things happened on Tisha B'av. In other words, there are certain dates in the calendar that are like magnets for certain energies happening. This is a whole discussion in itself, which I don't think we have time to go into. But we see Yud Zion Batam as we started the three weeks, and we're told that the, the Luchot were broken on that day, the walls of Yerushalayim were broken on that day, that an idol was set up in the temple on that day, that they ran out of uh, animals for sacrifices on that day. On Tisha B'Av, we have the spies coming back and giving an evil report and people saying, let's go back to Egypt. And that's when the decree came down of, of wandering for 40 years. And God said, you're crying for no reason. In the future, this date will be 
encoded for crime. It will be established for crime. But Tubav also, we just read six different things that happened on Tubav. So we want to get to the, the source of this energy. Before we do it, let's see the connection between uh, Tuba'av and Yom Kippur. So at first it doesn't seem that there's, there's much of a connection, but we're going to see a very, very deep connection is, first of all, that when we went to the list of six things, three of them, one second. Actually, four of the six reasons have had to do with the decree being annulled. So what do, what, what do we say in Yom Kippur? In Yom Kippur, at, during Musaf, in the middle of Unatan Tokef, everyone yells out, Uteshuvah, Utefilah, Repentance, prayer, and charity can rip up any decree. So Tubav has to do with this idea of our ability to rip up a decree, of God having the ability to rip up a decree. And that's the, the highlight of Yom Kippur is our belief that our prayers matter. I mean, without, without getting into it like that, the big thing in the news is Black Lives Matter. Our prayers matter. That's what Yom, that's what Rosh Hashanah is about, Yom Kippur, every day. Our prayers matter. But there's another connection, a very, very deep connection here is what happened on the original Yom Kippur? The first Yom Kippur is Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the second tablets. This is after the sin of the golden calf. He breaks the tablets. He prays for forgiveness and God says, come up in the mountain and you'll get two new tablets. When did he come down? On Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur became established as a day of forgiveness. This is when God, as it were, officially forgave us for the sin of the golden calf. So Yom Kippur is all about forgiveness, but it's also about the renewal of our marriage pact and covenant with God. That's what Yom Kippur represents. Now, Yom Kippur is the 40th day after Rosh Chodesh Elul. There's a 40-day period from Rosh Chodesh Elo to Yom Kippur. And we have a tradition that the, the acronym for Elo, the four letters in Hebrew, is Ani Ledodi Vedodi Lee. 
I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. If you look at the last letters of Ani, Ludodi, Ludodi, Li, they're all Yuds. Ani, Ludodi, Ludodi, Li. Yud equals 10. 4 times 10 equals 40. So in other words, on Rosh Chodesh Elo is a, a, a hint already that 40 days later, this relationship of I am to my beloved and my beloved to me will reach its, its pinnacle. So Yom Kippur really, along with everything else it is, is the, in a sense the official end of the separation between God and Israel that was caused by the golden calf. And we see that the customs of Tuba'av is about getting soulmates together. Okay, so now we want to go even deeper. We want to go even deeper here. Because the last reason we brought for Tubishvat, excuse me, Tuba'av, is about wood. It's the last day to bring wood for the altar. So what other holiday in the Jewish calendar has to do with wood, trees? Tubishvat. Okay, so what's the connection? What's the connection between Tuba'av and Tubishvat? So first of all, both of them are on a full moon. Today is the full moon of Av. Tubishvat is the full moon of the month of Shvat. Obviously, both are on the 15th day of the month. Tu means 15. Tu ba'av, tu bishvat. But an amazing thing is, if you, if you would make a calendar in a circle, 360 degrees, tu ba'av and tu bishvat are exactly 180 degrees across the circle. 180 degrees across. So in other words, there's a symmetry here between Tuba'av and Tubishvat. Since I mentioned that, this occurs between the month of Nisan and Tishrei. We're going to see this very soon, the connection here, but Rosh Chodesh Nisan is exactly 180 degrees across from Rosh Hashanah. In one minute, we're going to learn the significance of that. The 10th of Nisan is Shabbat HaGadol, the original Shabbat HaGadol. That's exactly 180 degrees across from the 10th of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur. Four days later is, or five days later, is Pesach. Pesach is exactly 180 degrees across from Sukkot. And the seventh day of Sukkot, of Pesach, when we cross the Yam Suf, is exactly seven days across, which is 180 degrees across from Hoshana Rabbah. On Hoshana Rabbah, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. So on the seventh of Pesach, 
the walls of the sea opened up. And on the seventh day of Sukkot, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Excuse me. No, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm correcting myself. They came down on the seventh of Nisan, on the seventh day of Nisan, but on Hoshana Rabbah, we celebrate that because that's the one of the inner meanings of Hoshana Rabbah. It's like the that's why it's called the final sealing. Hoshana Rabbah is the final sealing, and it's it's compared to if you have any more walls that need to come down, and your and your tefillot of Elo and Rosh Hashanah and Aseret Yemei Tshuva and Yom Kippur and uh, Sukkot still hasn't done it, you can still do it on Hoshana Rabbah. Okay, that was an aside about this idea of 180 degrees. So let's go back to Tu Bishvat and Tu Ba'av. So this, this is an amazing thing. And here we're going to get to the source of the power of this day. There's something engraved in the full moon of Av that plays itself out through all the generations. So what is that? So Tuba Av is exactly 45 days before Rosh Hashanah. 45 days before Rosh Hashanah. And just to make one other connection between Tuba Av and Tuba Shvat about trees, and I did it today. I did it today. I planted two fruit trees today. Why? Because in Jewish law, we have in Eretz Yisrael the idea of orla. You can't eat fruit from a tree for its first three years. Question is, how, where do you, how, when do you count the years from? You count them from Rosh Hashanah. But the tradition is, if you plant a tree anytime during the year, up to and including Tuba'av, you can count an entire year for the trees. You can count a whole year for the trees. So I planted two trees yesterday and two trees today. And that means in 45 days, I can count the first year already. The tree is considered one year old. So that's another connection between Tuba. Av and Tubishvat with trees. Okay, now let's go back. Tuba Av is 45 days before Rosh Hashanah. What is the significance of that? In the Gemara, there is an incredible discussion as to when was the world created. Many people don't know this. Some of the sages said in Tishrei, and some said in Nisan. Remember the 180 degrees between Nisan and Tishrei? There's a whole discussion in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. In the end, there is actually, it, it's hard to tell what the conclusion is. Later, 
in the Tosfot, Rabbeinu Tam offers a solution. He says the world is created in thought on Rosh Hashanah and in actuality in Nisan. Now this may come to a big surprise to a lot of people who think of Rosh Hashanah as the birthday of the world. Even in our prayers we say it's the birthday of the world. But actually on a deeper level there's two creations here. And in fact that's one of the deeper meanings of the word Bereshit. Reshit means beginning. Bet means two. There's in a sense two beginnings, one in thought and one in deed. Just like if a person has a, a goal, has a vision, has a dream. So first they, they get the vision. I want to do this. And it comes in a flash of, of insight. But then you have to do it. <laughs> right? You get this flash of my dream home. And you see it on the hill. You see it clearly. But then it might take you 10 years to actually build it. So that's the same thing. The world is created in thought, in God's thought, as it were, on Rosh Hashanah. And it's real. But it doesn't come into actuality until Nisan. So what's, again, what's the significance of 45? So if you look at the word for thought, it's machshava. Machshava, you could take the letters and permute them to say choshev ma. Thinking of ma. In Hebrew, essence is mahut. So everyone try to catch this. Like Reb Shlomo would say, you got to open your hearts, open your minds is Tuba'av is 45 days before Rosh Hashanah. This is when the thought, Choshev Ma, Ma equals 45, the thought of creation rises in God's mind, as it were. Now, what does it say about this thought? It says in the Midrash, Yisrael Allah the Machshava Tahila. Israel came arose in God's mind first. In other words, what was God's first thought when he thought about creation was Israel. Now that makes Israel God's soulmate. That's what we're talking about here. This is the energy that is connected to soulmates meeting on Tuba of the vineyard. Because the most primordial relationship is God and Israel. And the thought of Israel arises in God's mind as a soulmate on Tuba'ab. 
Now, even deeper, a little bit, as if this wasn't deep enough, <laughs> a little bit deeper is, according to tradition, Rosh Hashanah is the sixth day of creation. Not the first day of creation. It's the sixth day of creation. So when is the first day of creation? The 25th of Elo. And six days later is Rosh Hashanah. That is when man is created. Adam and Chava were created on the sixth day. The second day of Rosh Hashanah is the first Shabbat. This year, we have a mirror image because the first day of Rosh Hashanah will be on Shabbos. And we won't hear the shofar. We'll only hear the shofar on the second day. So, if Tuba'av is 45 days before Rosh Hashanah, how many days is Tuba'av before the 25th of Elo, the first day of creation, is 40 days. So everyone's heard this idea that 40 days before the creation of an embryo, a voice goes out in heaven saying, this one is meant for that one. And that's, the actual, that's actually the source in the Gomorrah for this idea of soulmates. That even before we come into the world, there's been a bot call, a voice in heaven saying, this one is meant for that one. So 40 days on Tuba Av, a voice goes out in heaven, and it's God's voice saying, I am meant for Israel, and Israel is meant for me. So this is taking it back really as far as you can go. This is taking the energy of Tubav. And like I mentioned, many people uh, have never even heard of Tubav, or if you've heard of Tubav, it's it, it just people don't know what to do with it. This year, of course, it didn't happen, but in the last I'd say 10, 15 years in Israel, it has become very, very commonplace to have huge get-togethers, music, festivals, um, and quite literally people going out to dance in the vineyards. And it's been building every year, every year. And of course this year, it's just, it's just a lot of things are not happening this year for obvious reasons. But this holiday is actually being resurrected in, in the land of Israel. And Bezrat Hashem, in, in the future, it will become even more prominent. And, and hopefully this type of learning that I gave over tonight uh, will spark a deep understanding of, of the power of this day. So I want to end with a, a blessing that, first of all, according to tradition, from Tuba Av, you can start saying Lashana Tova. 
אפקטיבה ואחת היא מה טובה. 